everyone, Mandy Friedman here, licensed professional clinical counselor, clinically certified domestic violence counselor, clinically certified trauma professional level two, the creator of SNAP, survivors of narcissistic and abusive personalities, and the owner of Claremont Mental Health. I'm here with my brother, Andrew. Hi, Andrew. Hey, Mandy. It's good to see you again. And we're talking today about Connor Roy and the show Succession Season 1. I'm excited to talk about that. Exactly. We are Season 1. Connor Roy. And ever since I started watching the show and I met him, I've been like, I can't wait to talk about Connor because some of his scenes are just so outrageous. And some of the things that he says are so outrageous. So we're going to go over just a few of those things from season one and Connor. But Andrew, I just wanted to ask you, what has this experience been like for you so far? Um, I know you're, how many times have you watched the series now? I think like, three total maybe but then again you know the editing process allows for some more you know visualizing let's say of the show uh here and there but uh you know i like the show a lot still and i'm i like talking to you about stuff like this we've done things like this in the past so for me it's not really about succession it's about doing cool stuff on the internet with my sister and for me, the same. I get to combine two of my favorite things in one project, and that's hanging out with you and talking about narcissists, narcissistic abuse, abusive relationships, targets of abuse, survivors in recovery from abuse, and everything that goes in with all of those situations and aspects of abusive relationships. And what better examples than in the show Succession? So, Connor, can you give us just sort of like a brief you know, synopsis of who is Connor? What do we know about him right off the bat? Connor's a fascinating character because on the surface, he seems like the most normal guy, you know, um, we'll get into why that's not necessarily the case, but he is the oldest of the children. He does not seem to be that way. And in fact, he has to be reminded that he kind of, that he is on his own, which is kind of interesting, but he was an unplanned child from, um, I guess, uh, Logan's maybe first or second wife. I'm not sure. Uh, but he has a different mother than the other children. So he's kind of an outsider in the family a little bit because of that. And he's not directly involved in the family business, which is something that comes up right away in the show because he wants to get involved and he believes he has what it takes to do that. And more. <laughs> a lot more. <laughs> but there's a lot of people like Connor that think that they could have that job too. Um, now, if we meet Connor, that means we meet Willa. Who's yeah. Willa? So Willa is Connor's companion, I would call her. And uh, she is a companion of the concubine variety, it seems, where basically he is paying her to be his girlfriend. But what one of the that's a very interesting relationship and i know we're going to get into it in the future more but he genuinely seems to care for her you know uh and maybe he doesn't but he really does and i think if you were going to date anyone in that family i think that connor might be the one to go with you know it, the less the least damage you know is going to come to you i think if you hang around connor versus the other children just my opinion i like his house out in new mexico pretty nice where they have that the fake family therapy 
Oh, we're going to get into that a little bit. Oh, uh, that, that stuff is tremendous. But um, what do you think about Connor when I say that Connor is kind of a normal person, it seems, uh, on the surface? Well, I think that one thing that makes Connor seem more normal is that he's not exactly in the family in the ways that the other siblings seem to be. He has grown up in a separateness um, he hasn't been, he hasn't grown up within. So he's kind of an outsider and he likes to also present himself as an outsider in a way, you know, he wants to be in, but he also likes that he's out at the same time. And I think that's one of the reasons why his relationship with Willa works for him. So Willa is a sex worker and apparently she spends enough time with him that it looks like it's a dating relationship to the outside world. Um, but that's safe for him. That's a safe, approachable, intimate version of intimacy for him. Uh, and we'll talk about why that's a safe version of intimacy for him at a later time, because we learn more about him as the seasons go by. But Willa goes through her own developments throughout the series. And I'm going to specifically speak about her um, in our episodes that are focusing on the group dynamics. So ahead of us, we still have the Sharks. That's the Stewie and Sandy, um, Carl and Frank. And then we have the family dynamics and how that group comes together. So we're going to speak about those group dynamics in the future, and Willa will be a part of that. When we first meet Connor, it's when his dad has had a stroke, and I believe he shows up at the hospital with Willa, and he appears as a peacemaker. And I believe that he even refers to himself as a peacemaker. But then at a certain point, this is a quote, direct quote from Connor. And he's referring to Kendall and Kendall's attempt at a takeover while dad has just had a stroke. And what Connor says about himself is sometimes the peacemaker has to go and shoot a maniac on the perimeter. And he's talking about Kendall. He's talking about his own brother. So he's a peacemaker who's also willing <laughs> to kill people um, and sees that killing is a necessary element of peacemaking. Um, these are already these first ramblings of his greatness and how he could be a big, huge leader someday, right? That, you know, the peacemaker also has to be a murderer sometimes or has to protect in a way that seems like that they're not a peacemaker. You brought up how that the kids were named or at least Roman was named after, you know, a society that's known for their military prowess and that Logan likes that stuff. Well, here we have an example of Connor understanding that that's part of your role in the family is that you might have to put down another family member um, or that it's your duty to protect the family against other family members. Yeah, he is. Not only is he talking about being a peacemaker in this like fighting for peace kind of way, you know, which is an oxymoron, but he also is pitching himself as the leader of the company. In the last episode, when we were discussing Roman and Connor, we were talking about how that, you know, Roman's abuse as a child and how that's perceived differently by different family members as a way of minimizing that abuse. And Connor, we mentioned, is in the car with Logan. They're on the way to this ball. 
And Connor is reminiscing and nostalgic about the ball over the years and them as, a, as children coming to this big, important ball. And he quotes his dad as having said these things about the people around them that made Connor feel like that he was kind of an adult and in the know, but it was also really, really inappropriate. So he's in the car talking about previous experiences at the ball. And he says, you know, dad, you used to say to us things like he's sleeping with her and he really screwed up and he, and he's going to be in trouble for that. And she's a whore and boy, what a slut she is. And man, that was such a great time. You know, he remembers these moments with his dad where things were completely inappropriate, but remembers it as loving, tender moments. What we talked about earlier is that Connor sees himself as an outsider, insider kind of at the same time. And isn't that interesting that his father talking trash about all of his peers is what Connor thinks, oh, he was letting me in. He was letting me in, you know, and I was on the inside there. Poor kid. And we don't know how many years this has been happening, but we know that this year Connor is in charge of the like event planning for the ball, or at least he's walking around kind of acting like that he is. Um, and so that's a big deal for him that he gets to be the event planner of this ball. And it has to be perfect because he remembers as a kid looking around going, oh, I'm at the ball. Well, now he gets to be the event planner. And we have... Two scenes that happen that are just fabulous in illustrating Connor's personality. He gets kind of manic at times. We see some uh, aspects of manic behavior and manic thinking coming from him. We see delusions and delusions of grandeur. We know that he is an overt narcissist and a malignant narcissist. We know how he got this way too, and we're going to get further into that later on. But He's so excited about this ball and being in charge of it, but something happens and it's a big deal. It's a very big deal. Well, Mandy, they spent so much time and effort getting the perfect bread at the perfect temperature. They're at the perfect table with the perfect table knife. And there's one thing that will destroy bread and that is frozen butter. And his reaction to this is a little extreme. Um, it is hilarious, but his but what I love about this whole sequence is that he goes through this incredible range of emotions over butter. <laughs> it's fantastic. But he's also, it's important to him because in his mind, he's proving to everyone around him that he knows what the hell he's doing and that, you know, this is all, I, I can clearly do this so I can do more, like run the company or run some other place. Exactly. Now, during the ball, we see him kind of checking in different areas on things, including what the teleprompter is going to say when Kendall stands up to give the speech. And we see that there is an announcement that Logan is retiring. So then... We have Connor go to the side of Logan. Now, Logan's sitting next to Marsha at the table. Marsha is trying to butter her bread. And <laughs> Connor says something along the lines of, hey, just thought I'd let you know. You know, wasn't sure, like, there's a big announcement tonight, right? And Logan's like, what do you mean? He's like, well, Kendall's announcing that you're retiring. It's like, he is. So he rats Kendall out that that's what was going to happen on the teleprompter for Kendall's speech. 
Um, but what's funny is that, you know, Connor's sort of like agitated, irritated. He walks away and then Logan says to Marsha, what's he on about? And Marsha's like, the butter's frozen. And, she, you know, it's like, this is an actual problem. <laughs> she's, she's like, she agrees, like the butter should not be frozen. So he goes into the kitchen and here's the scene where he is firing everyone and, you know, really going nuts uh, because the butter is frozen. He's freaking out. I love the woman who's the actual event planner who did all the work probably and who has experienced planning events. And you see her sort of like face the staff. And I love how she handles it. She's like. <laughs> you know, that's one of the only times in the whole show where someone who is in the service part of the world that they live in actually cut. She doesn't have a line, but she's got actual agency and she knows what's going on. Well, I guess that that kind of parallels the whole thing where, you know, Kendall didn't know how to make a freaking cup of coffee. So, you know, it, it just kind of parallels that same thing. It shows that Connor is completely clueless too. And he wouldn't know how to defrost butter in the first place. Exactly. Right. But he knows that everything has to be perfect. And if it isn't, some heads will roll. Um, now, things go well with the ball, as it turns out. Daddy gets up. He gives his speech. He kills it, crushes it, embarrasses Kendall, announces that Tom is the, um, you know, Tom is engaged to Shiv. And, you know, so now that's out that Tom's part of the family now. That was a big surprise that, that Logan said that. Um, then well, Connor has a whole different version of himself that shows up in the kitchen and is high-fiving everyone and saying what an awesome, awesome job, you guys. Awesome job. It's like, what a roller coaster. What a roller coaster he is. You know, I've worked for people like him. You know, I've found myself like him at times, you know, where I've realized I've I've acted this way, you know, uh, and, and it's embarrassing when you freak out about something and it turns out to be nothing, you know, that's kind of the normal experience. Now he is of course taking it way, you know, further than the normal person would experience, but it's, it's, you know, I, I've worked a lot in the restaurant industry as you have as well. And I've experienced these things, exact things where someone comes in who wouldn't know, you know, a manager who is not operationally strong, we shall say, you know, who who sucks at their job, basically, but comes in and starts screaming at everybody about something that they don't even know what they're talking about. And you just kind of go, mm -hmm, yep, gotcha. And you just kind of weather the storm. And by the end, they're high-fiving you, hugging you, telling you thank you so much. So it's a, it's an experience we can all kind of, uh, you know, uh, we, we all know about, I would say. But the thing is, is that he's not embarrassed. And doesn't even seem to notice, you know, like everyone else is like, whoa, but he, it's, this is just another day for Connor. He's, this is just how emotional he gets, I guess. Another story about Connor that we learn of, we don't, we don't see it happen, but Kendall is on his way to Connor's when they're going to have that get together where they're having the fake family therapy. Kendall stops at a bar on his way to Connor's house. Now he's been sober um, and, you know, he's definitely dabbling in not being sober anymore and orders a drink, but people recognize the name on the credit card. And so becomes well known that now this is 
Connor's brother, Kendall, in the bar. And they tell Kendall a story about Connor coming into the bar with a dog that was dying and like ha ha like begging people to take the dog because he couldn't handle watching the dog die. He wanted to pay people to take that problem off his hands. And, and that's kind of... That's kind of what Kendall does too, a little bit in that scene as well. So, right, he he can't handle it. He wants to pay someone off. Like here, you do the real life stuff. I can't do this real life stuff. And then, yeah, from there, Kendall knows exactly where to find people that are going to give him what he wants. And then, yeah. So, anyway, I thought that was really interesting in terms of we talk about like empathy or having a lack of empathy when a narcissistic person who generally doesn't have to deal with normal human being emotions experiences those big emotions they don't do well with it at all they can't handle it they think it's gross actually they have this feeling of like that their butts hanging out you know like it's just not dignified to be a normal human being um, and so that's why we pay people to raise our children you know that's why we you know don't do that, make a cup of coffee. Um, we don't do the regular normal human being stuff. Why? Because the people that do that are not real people. Mm. Remember, like not a real person. Those are the service people. Um, and so Connor would not want to be down with the lowly service people, right? He would want to be above it all. But really what it comes down to is that he can't handle the, those emotions and doesn't want to feel them. So if I can just out of sight, out of mind, someone else can take care of the dog. But it's also don't forget that the dog crate, the dog pound game mm -hmm. that they played with Roman. Um, we learn about that during uh, Tom's bachelor party. That's when that gets discussed. But here we have them really abusing Roman as a child and treating him like a dog and putting the dog in the cage. Grow up, fast forward, Connor says that's not what happened. Connor says that Roman wanted that. Roman liked it. He immediately says, oh, he loved it. Roman loved it. So here we have the child in a cage being treated like a dog and that that's okay. We have no remorse or guilt about that at all. Don't even remember it. Narcissistic amnesia. Remember, fast forward. Now we're an adult with an actual dog. And we can't handle the dog passing away. So you can handle brutalizing your own sibling and treating them like a dog. But you can't handle an actual dog. Um, I just thought that was funny how that again, we have these kind of wildlife metaphors and animals coming into things. And this is just another one. So he's delusional delusions of grandeur. We're going to see a lot more of that as it comes. And I also want to introduce which for my audience that has been watching my stuff, this isn't a new term, but for those that are new to the topic of narcissistic abuse is the concept of word salad. Word salad is what narcissistic people do, manipulative people do when they're trying to sound like that they're saying something, but they're not actually saying anything. And we can see loads of examples of this um, coming from the White House from, let's see, 2016 until 2020 um, and the time before and after. Right? Pretty much anything coming from Donald Trump is usually word salad. So those are really good examples. Politics aside, he's just really good. He's the best 
at word salad. No one is as good at word salad. People are talking about it. Very important people are talking. Very important people talk about his word salad and how good he is. But actually, Connor's the best word salad person. And here is one of the very first ones. And if you wanted to go find this, it's in season one, episode 10. And here's what he says. And it's talking about him wanting to be president. Like while we're talking about delusions of grandeur and Trump, here we go. Well, I would launch a campaign against the great dangers. Honestly, this is from my readings. And sadly, you can't say this because the permitted public debate has shrunk to the size of a fucking nut. But frankly, usury and onanism, unsecured debt and masturbation, the spilling of good seed. It's not for public consumption. I mean, this is from my readings and I don't want to pay tax. That doesn't make any sense. It doesn't. None. It means okay. nothing except that he doesn't want to pay taxes. That's the only thing in there that meant something. You put him up on a stage in front of the right people and they're all going, yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like he said nothing. He literally it's garbage. There's not a bit of information here. Um, but he'll get plenty of people to vote for him somehow. Uh, did you hear that speech he gave? It was amazing. As we're watching HBO Succession through the series, all four seasons, be watching out for more of his word salad. And also, Connor starts to really reveal more about the dynamic of the family along the way. Um, one funny thing that well, it's not funny, but on this show, things are funny that aren't funny. When they go for their fake family therapy, don't forget the dog kennel, the dog pound um, game, remember? Okay, so as they're getting ready to enter into the therapeutic um, environment, Roman says to Connor, I'm going to tell the therapist that you molested me as a child. Right. <laughs> And, and Connor's like, no, don't say that. I mean, he is not finding it funny at all. So we have not a guilty conscience that he necessarily molested someone, but he's got a guilty conscience that he did do something harmful to somebody in their youth. Perhaps the dog pound game that he participated in, Connor, you know, he might have been a perpetrator of that game and now has to tell himself, oh, well, Roman liked it. So when Roman is like, oh, well, he it's a tit for tat with these people. So, you know, that's what Roman is thinking about when he's like, you know what? I'm going to just go ahead and tell him you're an abuser because you are. Roman's my favorite. That's why he's my favorite, because he effortlessly kind of like cuts right to the meat of something with very few words. He will say something that cuts right to the heart of somebody. It just strikes fear into their heart. And he does that with Connor because you know, Connor has these plans and something like an accusation like that, whether it's true or not, would screw up his plans. And like you said, he also feels guilty about the actual abuse that he was involved in. So that is a tremendous observation. All right, Mandy. Well, it was a blast talking about Connor Roy, and we will again bring up the subject of Connor Roy in the future. But next time we're going to be talking about Shiv's man, Tom Wamsgam, and probably a little bit about Greg, too. So I'm excited to talk about that. Uh, he is a tremendous character, and uh, he does a bunch of funny stuff. Tom the Pain Sponge.
Tom is a pain sponge and he is my favorite character. So I would expect that throughout our series that we're presenting all the episodes that we're going to do that I might get a little bit more excited about the ones with Tom because from the very beginning, I've been like, oh, I love his character so much. He's the best. It'll be fun to kind of discuss him as a true outsider coming into the family as well and what function he serves in the family because that's one thing I find interesting about Tom is that he kind of like he's a pain sponge one day but he's something else another day he's whatever they need him to be and uh it's it's fascinating he's a chameleon and that's one of his superpowers that's for sure I can't wait to talk about Tom see you next time That's why Roman's my favorite is because he effortless, effortless, he effortlessly, how the fuck do you say that word? You can leave that in. Don't, don't, don't edit that oh, out. Oh, that's going out. Because oh. <laughs> it's effortlessly. <laughs> that's why Roman's my favorite is because he effortlessly. <laughs> I'm saying you should leave it in because it's hilarious.